All right, everyone, welcome back to another episode of Bell Curve. Before we jump in, quick disclaimer, the views expressed by my co-host today are their personal views, and they do not represent the views of any organization with which the co-hosts are associated with. Uh, nothing in the episode is construed or relied upon as financial, technical, tax, legal, or other advice. You know the deal. Now, let's jump into the episode. All right, everyone, welcome back to another episode of Bell Curve. For this one, you've got Mike and Miles. Miles, we're doing the little solo episode, just the two of us here. Love it. Love it. And, uh, you know, I think I think the week's news um, makes it very appropriate. We, we've taken a little, uh, we've readjusted our plans for the last two episodes of the season. It's like that old saying, right? If you want to make God laugh, just tell him your plans. And uh, <laughs> this week we had, uh, we, there was a big announcement, right? Everyone's very focused on base, which is the new layer two that, that Coinbase launched. You know, from the beginning of the season, you know, you and I have been very interested in kind of this idea that both Ethereum and Cosmos are kind of on a on a collision course, right? Um, and that ultimately they're trying to solve the same the same problem just from two very different starting points. So, you know, in addition to the base uh, an announcement this week from Coinbase um, that's being built kind of on a on a version of the OP stack. There's also a, a kind of a rebrand that Optimism has done. So they're now talking about this thing called the super chain, right? That's what they're calling it. I think from, from our standpoint, it kind of looks like this idea we've been really curious about, which is this app chain or apps, app, app space thesis playing out on, on Ethereum. And we actually created some, some slides here for all of you to kind of visually <laughs> walk you all through this. So. I'm going to try to share my screen, but do you want to kind of explain, Miles, while I'm uh, struggling with technology, like, what is this idea of the super chain here? Like, why has Ethereum or uh, has Optimism kind of rebranded to this? Yeah, I think, you know, as we've we've talked about this collision course idea before, which is that, you know, Ethereum and Cosmos are both building towards a future with app-specific block space. Um, and I think the super chain is a version of, really what the Cosmos thesis is also trying to achieve, um, but sharing a common security layer in, in Ethereum uh, L1, right? And so this is, you know, it, somewhat of an admission or really embracing the idea that there are going to be, you know, thousands of app-specific um, block space, you know, or app-specific chains. Um, and, you know, I think a big part of this rebrand is is calling them chains now instead of rollups um, and, you know, but doing so in a secure, you know, Ethereum first way. Um, so, yeah, I mean, if we just look at the language here. Right. So we have super chain is a horizontally scalable network of chains that share security, a communication layer and an open source development stack. Mm. Two out of the three of those things sound exactly like the Cosmos thesis, basically. Um, you know, you have the Cosmos SDK is an open source development stack um, that, you know, allows a lot of these chains to interact more frictionlessly together because they share certain standards, um, you know, a communication layer. Uh, that sounds very similar to a communication standard uh, that, that, you know, IBC provides. Um, the communication layer could also refer to really the original thesis of the Cosmos hub, which was to be really a messaging hub um, so that each chain doesn't need to maintain point to point connections. Um, so you could see, you know, 
the optimism bridge serving as you know some of somewhat of either like a communication standard or a communication hub between all of these you know um app specific op chains um and then yeah the the only the only big difference here is that the op chains are secured at the end of the day um by ethereum you know there's one final source of truth that all the op chains share which is the you know what is actually posted to ethereum l1 um and that that's the big difference here right is is that in the cosmos version of this thesis every chain has its own final source of truth um and you rely on kind of i guess the the credibility of the of each chain you know to believe that final source of truth which enables ibc right um to 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 work um and so i think you know there's a lot of parallels to draw here i think it's really worth paying attention to the language that they're using um because it is it is a big change i think um and you know i don't think base itself we can get into it later represents you know the app chain thesis playing out because base is still a general purpose you know l2 um but we're starting to see you know the the broader vision here um which is you know thousands of these like app specific chains that you know are sharing the same stack um share the same communication standards um and interact with each other um so I, yeah, I I see a lot of parallels here. I think it's I think it's kind of you know you've historically seen sort of example of this as well. And this is not meant in you know in a derogatory way at all to Ethereum, but definitely elements of uh, you know sort of some of the focus um, and new ideas that get birthed in kind of the Cosmos ecosystem have kind of found their way into the Ethereum roadmap here. And I'm not sure this this represents total sea change, but again you know a lot it's it's really hard to ignore this this language here that even is being used right on the right on the optimism website to basically indicate what this is. I would point out one more thing if you go back to that last slide just in terms yeah. of you know ideas from Cosmos being ported over. So the new revenue model that rewards application developers for the fees their that their chains generate. I I could be wrong but I believe I saw that that was taken from Canto, which is a a new you know fairly recently launched um chain in Cosmos that is you know basically intends to reward developers for use of their smart contracts um, by paying them a portion of the gas fees um, that, that, you know, are used that leverage the, the contracts they develop. Um, yeah. So you have, you know, the broader vision I think is, is kind of being ported over here. Um, you know, the, the broader, like the, the main tools that make this possible um, are being recreated, um, not ported over. Um, and then some of the, you know, the more nuanced pieces like, like this revenue model for, uh, protocol developers, you can see that's getting mapped over as well. Here's the thing about, you got to hand it to them. Look at this branding and look yeah. at that word, the super chain, what a powerful meme that is, you know, it's, this is, this is one of the things that I think what I would kind of call, and this was, you know, kind of, I think your, your set of framework for looking at it, I just give credit where credit is due, but it's kind of like that core Ethereum kind of group, right? There's ETH uh, as a brand, and that's very closely aligned probably on the DEX side with Uniswap and on the, the L2 side with Optimism. They, they really do get, you know, how to, how to disperse a, a compelling message and a good meme. You know, you're going to see probably a bunch of memes about the super chain, uh, you know, where really the, the Cosmos version of this is the internet of, 
of blockchains. But yeah. I want to I want to get into some of the more specifics here. And again, I you know I apologize if if you're if you're not looking at video, but just to kind of describe what we're looking at here, these are a couple of diagrams, basically of a high level version of the optimism uh, sort of model, right? And what you're seeing is a a big blue uh, purple bar on the top, Ethereum. Then there's a connector, smaller bar, Optimism Bridge, and then you have a bunch of vertical kind of OP chains, OP chain one, two, you know, three, four, et cetera. Um, and then on the right, uh, you kind of have a, the, the Cosmos version of things, which on the bottom, you've got one block, which is networking consensus. That's kind of tendermint. There's communication rails, which is ABCI. And then there's an application layer, which is the Cosmos SDK and a smart contracting layer, uh, the Cosmosm. Miles, can you... Can you kind of, uh, and I, last thing actually on the Ethereum or the, uh, optimism diagram is this cross chain messaging protocol. So, um, well, maybe could you help kind of connect, um, you know, this, this diagram on the left, uh, where does base kind of fall there? Um, where does optimism mainnet fall and just, just kind of give us an overview here of what, what we've got. Yeah, going on. yeah, absolutely. And so I, I, again, we, this is still very early. We still haven't seen what this looks like so that we, we could be wrong here. But um, essentially, you know, I'd see to answer that question around where is Optimism mainnet and where is base, I think that those are, you know, OP chain one and OP chain two. Um, and it, I think they are just sort of laying the foundations for what can be built on top that enables this, you know, broader vision to play out. Um, I think that they, you know, basically serve as an onboarding tool through Coinbase. And eventually I think, you know, Optimism mainnet will transition to, to more of a communication hub, similar, similar, similar to Adam. Um, and, but just to give like a, maybe a higher level overview of what the similarities are here is you're giving developers a set of out of the box tools that enable them to build their own blockchains securely um, and interoperable with each other. Um, so with, you know, the Cosmos stack, you have Tendermint, which gives you, you know, networking and consensus engine right out of the box. Um, so you have the tools, but you still need to go, you know, obviously recruit your own validator set to run this software and the, you know, security of, of your networking and consensus layers based off of your own token. Right. And so that maps over basically to Ethereum L1 um, to some extent. So that's not really part of the OP stack, but the OP stack does have sequencers, which do, you know, similar, play a similar role to, to validators, um, you know, in terms of ordering transactions and uh, sending them to, you know, Ethereum L1. Um, and so you get those out of the box, um, you know, you could, still have to either run that sequencer yourself or recruit a you know network of sequencers to to run a you know a multi-sequencer network or you could potentially rent you know uh security from um a shared sequencer network which i think we can get into later mm -hmm. um and then on top you know you need a, a set of modules a set of tools that basically you know every single developer who wants to build their own op chain or their own cosmos chain they're not reinventing the wheel they've got you know the core capabilities right out of the box that they can plug in um but you want to make them modular enough so that they can plug and play you know different configurations they can take whatever the out of the box version is and you know customize it more for their use case um 
and so you know the goal here is basically to with with both stacks um is to reduce the amount of time as much as possible from you know start of development to launch and then once they are you know launched give them you know a set of tools that allow these these chains to communicate with each other um because that that to me is the big missing piece here um and so yeah it's, it's interesting you know i think we were talking about this all season long but they they're really you know ethereum and cosmos have just are building towards the same shared vision but have very different starting places um and so you know i view the op stack as ethereum now you know trying to build their own cosmos sdk right and instead of this is for allowing you know lots of l1s to use the same stack these were all going to be l2 chains uh, or roll-ups as we used to call them um and then on the cosmos side you know they basically really focused on the interoperability the ibcps they've built out you know the cosmos sdk has uh, tons and tons of modules which you know the more people use it the more you know app chain developers that that adopt it they start contributing themselves and so there's lots of network effects there um and yeah but at the end of the day there's these stacks are basically just to get to you know enable developers to get to from zero to one as fast as possible um and they both are, you know they both achieve that in different ways so we're going to get into some more details of you know sort of what what is in that stack uh the, and kind of compare the, the OP stack versus the Cosmos SDK. But before we do, I think one other highlight uh, that's just worth flagging and mentioning is you, know, you and I have kind of laid out this, this uh, gosh, I'm blanking on the, the word for the, but this spectrum, right? Where you've got kind of a full stake, full stack app chain like Osmosis all the way over here on the left. Um, and then kind of like a roll app layer three uh, on the right here on Ethereum. And then there's something like kind of Celestia in the middle, which is a more modular right. approach. Um, right. This, what we're talking about here is kind of laying the base. These, these are all just, you know, to be totally clear, generalized block space layer twos, right? So this isn't necessarily that, that layer three yet, although they've, we'll get to a slide later on where they're, they're specifically saying that that's a problem that they're trying to solve for. I think another, you know, just something to highlight the approach that optimism has taken that's a little bit different from some of the other uh, folks that we've spoken to, such as, um, you know, Sovereign Labs certainly, but also Celestia is they're highly aligned with Ethereum, right? There is a, you know, it's all over their language. Uh, they're, you know, the, it seems like from a developer standpoint, they're really trying to make it as easy as possible for, uh, you know, Ethereum de developers to, to build on optimism as well. Whereas, you know, especially the Sovereign Labs has taken the approach where it doesn't really matter, you know, sort of the base L1 that we plug into, we're kind of a, uh, you know, a one size fits all. Uh, it's just a very different kind of strategy for for scaling this, yeah, this part yeah. of the stack. Yeah, it plays into the BD side as well, um, right? Because I think the goal of this, you know, rebrand is when you think of Ethereum scaling, you think of optimism. When you think yeah. of, you know, the future of of you know, basically a multi chain world, you're thinking of the optimism stack, um, and you're thinking of all of these chains, you know that share all the same qualities because they're using the stack. Um, and, you know, I think optimism has done this really well. Uniswap does it, does it really well, you know, in, in terms of aligning themselves. So what, when you think of Ethereum, you also think of them, um, and, you know, that's very different from 
sovereign labs and very different from the cosmos approach, which is really bottoms up and, and focusing on, you know, it's called sovereign labs for a reason, right? It's focusing on sovereignty um, right. and embracing that. So, yeah, I think that's an interesting, interesting uh, point there. Yeah. And I think the, you know, the trade-offs, if, if I was sitting in the seat of, uh, you know, Preston, who we spoke to last week, or maybe Ben, right, who's the leader at, uh, yeah. or what, one of the co-founders at Optimism, is, you know, on the Ethereum side of things, you plug into distribution, right? You have access to, or first of all, you kind of have to inherit the shared security of Ethereum. So it's not something yeah. you have to worry about, but it's also, um, you know, you, you kind of plug into this, this sea of users. Whereas, but the challenge, right, is obviously if Ethereum were to slow or, you know, adoption doesn't go along the path that they wanted, or there's some kind of technical reason why the chain was uh, less feasible than we think it's going to be today, uh, then they're limited, right? Uh, sort of, they've kind of tied their their fate to Ethereum's, whereas the approaches of, uh, say, a Sovereign Labs, mm -hmm. you, you are not limited, right, to the success yeah. of the layer one, but also you do kind of lack that that pipeline and funnel into yep. two users, right? Yep. And it's just, yep. we'll see how each of those those two things trade off, but that's the way that I would be thinking about kind of the, the trade-off. And yep. but, like, I'd love to get your thoughts on that, but also before we go to the next slide, I do wanna get your thoughts on this kind of cross-chain messaging, which it, you know could be kind of one of two things. There actually was, it, this is the, the much less likely, but there was a paper that the Ethereum Foundation published, uh, I think back in September, or October of this year, which was, you know, what would IBC on Ethereum look like? So that's what that, that's certainly the, the messaging solution in the Cosmos ecosystem, much more likely, right? This is probably a shared set of sequencers. So can you just kind of comment on the, the distribution approach? Uh, and then like, let's just talk about what uh, uh, some of the trade-offs are of the, the sequencers. The communication side, um, the, the challenge right now with rollups is that for you to bridge from one rollup to another, um, or at least optimistic rollups, you need to, there's a basically a challenge period of, I think it's, you know, anywhere up to seven days before your, before your transaction is, you know, guaranteed to be, you know, on basically valid. Um, and then you can bridge over to that other rollup. So you're still going down to the L1, basically to the, you know, Ethereum bridge contract on L1, waiting the, waiting for that challenge period and then going up to OP chain two. Um, and so I think ways that they can get around this, um, you know, it, it does lead, you know, I think the most obvious route is to have basically this, this shared sequencer network um, so that the, you know, different rollups, if they use the same sequencer, they can trust each other. Right. The whole the whole point of that seven day period is because, you know, there's one sequencer that knows the truth on one roll up. There's another sequencer that is, you know, not willing to directly trust that other roll up. Um, and so it has to wait basically for, you know, their ultimate source of truth, which is L1, you know, Ethereum L1 to tell them, OK, it's 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 totally valid. So where I think this starts playing out is, you know, definitely a shared sequencer network. Um, and then, you know, potentially this, you know, uh, idea of these L3s that that settle to, um, you know, optimism mainnet or settle to base. Um, that that's another way that you know you can you you could get around this um, without having to wait like the seven days. Um, so yeah, I think I think that there's a lot more, 
you know, work to be done there in order to make that multi-chain super chain future possible. Um, whereas, you know, with Cosmos, every chain is its ultimate source of truth. Right. And right. so as long as you trust that other chain, you know, you can, you can trust what they're telling you, uh, via IBC. Um, and so, yeah, I think, I think that that's kind of the biggest missing piece here. And the biggest question I have is, you know, can they figure out a way to, you know, replicate the benefits of IBC, you know, between L2 to L2 to L2, or is this really going to look more like, you know, is, is there another layer missing in this picture where most of the, you know, super chains or most of the, sorry, most of the OP chains in the super chain world are actually L3s. Um, that to me would make, you know, a lot more sense. This is just more of a, like a market structure question here, but I, I am very curious to see like how many of these OP chains are really necessary. Right. Um, and it, it is, you know, I, one question that I'm kind of asking myself, we haven't really got into base, uh, in general, but you know, it'll be interesting to see who ends up attracting more of the, uh, the kind of users and activity right between optimism mainnet versus base, because yeah kind of the, what base has going for it. We talked about it kind of in detail on the, the roundup edition of, uh, of bell curve that came out on Friday was it has, it has users, right? There's 108 million, uh, users that Coinbase can funnel into this yep. chain. And frankly, 108 million is like an order of magnitude, you know, larger, uh, than, than even the most, the most successful at, I mean, it's much larger even than Ethereum, right? So that, that level of users is unprecedented. The, the disadvantages that base has is. I think the biggest one ultimately that it's going to have to overcome is, okay, there's some regulatory stuff, right? So in terms of flexibility, Coinbase is, is limited, right? They critically, they didn't launch with a token, right? They're not going to be monetizing MEV right off the bat. Um, you know, I think there's, there's opportunity once they decentralize the sequencer set, but they can't do some of that stuff already. I think the other thing too, is that even though Coinbase has frankly, one of the best brands in crypto, it probably, it risks still being seen as like a corporate chain. Right, as opposed to something like Optimism, which is kind of this retail grassroots, uh, you know, authentic to Ethereum kind of feeling. Also, it has a token. Um, so I think, frankly, like watching where activity sort of flows in between just those two to begin with will be very interesting. And then, I'm, you know, to your earlier point, I'm very curious to see like how many of these, you know, generalized kind of layer two spaces do we ultimately need, um, you know, before we start like seeing uh, a bunch of Kind of layer threes. I totally agree. I think um, I think the role of these general purpose, or let's just call it optimism mainnet and base, will will shift over time. Um, and the reason I say that is because I think you know general purpose L twos are not all that different than general purpose L ones. Um, once they get you know a a ton of users in traction. Um, and specific applications that are, you know, dominating that activity will, you know, eventually want to move to their own space because they'll deal with congestion, they'll deal with fees, they'll, you know, still be, you know, you're, you're kind of struggling with value capture. You don't basically have your own app specific environment. Right. Um, and so I think that the role of, of Optimism mainnet and base will be, you know, basically serving as the easiest place to stand up a smart contract app, um, find PMF, iterate, and then eventually move to your own L3. Um, now the pace of that really depends on, 
just how fast they can make, you know, some of this friction of, of living on your own L3, you know, mainly the cross-chain messaging friction, um, how fast they can solve that. But I do think that, you know, it's optimism and, and base will serve as onboarding tools for users and easy launch opportunities for, you know, uh, new, new projects. Um, but over time, I think that, you know, they will shift to being more of like, uh, a communication hub between the different L3s, um, that they can all leverage. Yeah. So um, I want to bookmark that that exact language they use, a uh, communication hub. And I want to return to that later. But yeah. next, I, I kind of want to go into what actually is the OP stack. So again, if you're following along uh, via video, you'll bear with me here. We'll like kind of describe these different layers. But basically, what we're looking at in the left of this chart is kind of a all of the different layers of the OP stack. Which at the top, you know, starting at the top and then going down, there's the governance layer, there's the settlement layer, there's the execution layer. Uh, the derivation layer, the sequencing layer, and data availability. They've also got different sort of solutions. Uh, in the governance layer, there's kind of multi-sig and then this broad OP, right, with uh, sort of governance module. In settlement, there's attestations. There's also, uh, these are proposed, right, so not in stone, uh, canon and ZK proofs. Execution layer is the EVM. Derivation yep. layer is there's roll-ups today. There's a proposed indexer. Sequencing layer is uh, optimism. And then I guess... Uh, now, this is the circle optimism that's a, a decentralized uh, you know network of sequencers and optimism yep. data availability sure. ethereum and then eip eip 4844 on the right we've got uh the cosmos kind of stack and that's where we've got consensus and networking which is um tendermint then there's the abci into this uh, sort of application part uh there's the cosmos sdk at the center and then around it you know sort of in this this uh, fanning out is you've got staking slashing ivc and and governance. All so the, all, the, all the SDK modules, basically. Yep. Right. Exactly. Um, so how do you kind of, you know, compare and contrast these, these two stacks miles? Yeah. So, I mean, first of all, the Cosmos stack is truly the full stack, right? Where the OP stack is basically plugging into existing parts of, you know, the full stack, which includes Ethereum down at the, at the very bottom of the base layer. Mm -hmm. Right. And so, you know, maybe starting with, with Cosmos, they've, you know, basically give you a, a way to, you know, a, a consensus and networking engine for at the bottom. Um, obviously it's, you're not inheriting any security. So that is only as valuable as, as, you know, the validator set that you can recruit and the, you know, value of your token. Then they're giving you basically the, you know, the, the SDK, which is a set of application modules. Um, and what's not shown here is is Cosmosm, which is a, a virtual machine similar to the EVM. Um, and so, you know, I think the Cosmos SDK, the Cosmos stack, really did start from scratch here, um, and that's why it has taken a long time to build. Whereas the OP stack, you know, is leveraging a lot of existing tools, like you know, leveraging the the network effects of the EVM. You know, it's not saying we're going to build a new VM; it's saying we're going to to port basically what all the apps are using already. Um, they will be, you know, the OP stack, what's really being introduced here um, is like the sequencing layer. I think that's, that's still, you know, giving a set of tools to have different options for how you want your roll up or your chain to be um, handle sequencing. That's, you know, that's a big piece of this, I think. Um, and, you know, you're basically trying to, again, make it as 
easy as possible to 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 get from zero to one here. Um, I do think that the you know the OP stack is is reusing a lot of what Ethereum has given it, and that's why you know it is so aligned with Ethereum as well. Um, yeah, but maybe it's I think important here to talk about like why a shared stack is you know really really powerful yeah. um before you before you go through that like one one idea because i think i know where you're going with that and i want to pick pick apart one difference that i sort of see in the stacks like you know we've spent a lot of the a lot of the conversations about uh you know in this season there's been an extreme focus kind of on the execution layer right and the op stack like very noticeably right on this diagram there's kind of you know, there are multiple different either solutions that exist today or proposed solutions, but around the execution layer, there's just the EVM, right? Which we know, you know, has its own set of, of limitations. And this, yeah. this to me gets at kind of the, the cultural difference here that you might not even see reflected in sort of the, the technology, which is Cosmos has been kind of laser focused on, on day one, right? For, uh, you know, the, the product. Um, yeah. whereas Ethereum has approached it from a very different, uh, kind of challenge set. So it's just interesting me, to me to look at, even if you, if you go to the optimism website, you know, they, they say kind of, they, they see, um, optimism mainnet really concentrating uh, around kind of the data availability layer and being much more loose and vague around the governance layer. Uh, and, and you, you see that reflected in kind of the dialogue from people who are deep, deeply involved in ETH or, or scaling yeah. in ETH. They're always talking about these kind of, uh, you know, data availability sort of questions. In in Cosmos, it's very different, right? A, the governance is is much more contentious and dramatic, as we kind of saw from some of the, the proposals this week, or maybe it was last week. Um, and then also, like, there's this extreme focus on the execution layer and highlighting why that's that's an important layer to focus on. So I just think it's important to again, kind of, on this idea of the the collision course. There still are cultural differences, even though they're they're kind of um, yeah merging. Uh, I, I I agree with that. Um... And I think it does get into, you know, kind of the, the OP stack, you know, I think is, is extremely powerful for scaling. Um, and I think the Cosmos stack is extremely powerful for really deep innovation where innovation that is only possible when the chain understands what's happening at the application layer. Um, and so, you know, we've, we've talked about this a little bit. But these are things like, you know, true full stack privacy um, through threshold encryption or other sort of, um, you know, encryption mechanisms that really require, you know, the a dedicated validator set um, or things that, you know, again, like have to happen at the validator set, like DYDX's order book matching system. Um, right. right. And that that to me is where I think it will be interesting to see where, you know, what sort of decision a, an application developer would make when they're looking at, okay, you know, I basically get all the scaling properties I need through building on the OP stack. I get all the users, right? Um, so maybe that's a good place to start. And then at a certain point, you know, will they run into any sort of, I would say, you know, inability to, to, to innovate to the product because they don't own the full stack. I think that that's where I, you know, I, it's, it will be interesting to see just how many chains, you know, how many products need their full chain need, need to own the full stack basically in order to deliver what they want. Um, yeah. 
And, and that's a, uh, that's, that's a, a limitation of no matter how exciting this and, and this is right. I think optimism and Coinbase, they deserve a huge pat on the back. This is amazing news, but also, you know, that is still the limitation of this particular design architecture, right? If you have a shared mm -hmm. set of sequencers, there isn't that uh, understanding or this idea in that's, you know, kind of Sonny and Dave were talking to us about, about what your validators can, can do for you and having the validators at the very base of consensus mm -hmm. understand what's going on on the application layer. But, you know, I, I sort of interrupted you before you were kind of talking about, um, you know, the, I think kind of starting to get into the, uh, the original role of, of the hub here. And I want to, I want to maybe tee this up by, this is the very first uh, FAQ, right? Which is what happens to, to Optimism mainnet, right? Because this is where they, they launched the super chain. And in their words, the Optimism mainnet isn't going anywhere. And for now, it's business as usual. In the long run, we envision it as an important coordination hub one of the most critical pieces of the super chain. So yeah, that, that wording is, is pretty interesting. Uh, can you yeah. kind of uh, get into, I think it would be good to kind of do like a little bit of a, a history lesson about the hub yeah. and what its original yeah. intended purpose was. Because when I, cause when I read this, I immediate, and, and I also was thinking about with, with base in mind, I, my mind immediately went to the cosmos hub and, and really the role of the hub. Um, mm. And the role, I mean, just as a little history, right? So, the Cosmos, you know, at an ICO, which was, you know, got funding basically to build out all of the parts of the Cosmos stack to help grow the Cosmos ecosystem. Um, and the specific role of the hub at that point was to be really a, a messaging hub um, so that each of the chains did not need to, to maintain point to point connections um, and take on that risk and instead could, you know, basically connect to the hub and then from the hub, they can route to, you know, any other chain that's, that's in the ecosystem. Um, the hub's other role was really user onboarding. Um, cause the hub was the, you know, Adam, the token is really the only cosmos ecosystem token that was listed on centralized exchanges. Um, and you know, I, I see base and optimism mainnet playing a similar role here. Um, you have base, which is going to facilitate onboarding. Um, and then you have optimism mainnet, which I think over time transitions from less of a hub, you know, I'm sorry, less of the home of all the applications and the, the majority of usage happening on optimism mainnet to being really how all these L3s built on top of, of, you know, using the OP stack can communicate more frictionlessly, um, you know, rather than having to basically wait for the challenge periods on L on L1, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think it, it is interesting because, you know, OP like optimism, optimism, I think is playing a similar role to the hub here that they've, you know, their original role was basically to build out the stack, um, and eventually, you know, facilitate communication between all these different chains that use its stack. Um, and, and base is kind of filling that role of being the, the onboarding tool, um, by having, you know, going to users where they are. Well, yeah. One, one question that I have for you is, um, you know, kind of one of the, the challenges, right. Initially it's kind of this idea of value accrual. So even when I, when I hear you describe, you know, base as being kind of the onboarding, uh, but eventually, right, uh, these application developers, the one that are successful, once they've gotten kind of the easy onboarding and, uh, you know, they've gotten the the users and the distribution that kind of this optimism Ethereum pipeline give them, 
eventually they'll kind of want more control of the application move to the L3. In a way, right, there's this kind of, uh, you know, it's kind of a rising tide lifts all boats, but there's also a little co-opetition going on in between, you know, Optimism mainnet and base. And you could almost yeah. see like a, a user journey, right, going right from Coinbase to base and then to their own L3 and sort totally. of skipping Optimism mainnet. And one of the challenges, right, for for uh, the, the hub uh, or Atom in general, right, which is the ICO that they raised the the funds in is there's never much thought given to value accrual, right? That was always kind of the challenge for that. So, you know, not that we really want to speculate on, on kind of token prices here, but can you kind of, you know, dig into that a little bit further? Yeah, yeah. I think that, you know, eventually you could see somewhat of a value accrual tension between apps on Optimism mainnet versus, you know, launching their own L3 to get closer, you know, more control of, of their block space, get basically, you know, a closer relationship with the user, I would say, you know, by having your own L3. Um, and then, okay, so what is optimism? If optimism isn't really, you know, the, the home of all this activity that's driving, like where the actual apps live, that's driving, you know, transaction fees and all the normal value accrual methods, what, what is it going to be? Um, and I think that's kind of where Adam found themselves, you know, or the hub found itself in the, over the past year or two, um, where, you know, the majority of all, all the activity, right, is not, the hub doesn't do anything, uh, but the activity is, you know, on these different app chains. Um, and the app chains turned out, you know, to prefer point-to-point -point connections for the most part. Um, so the, the original thesis around being, you know, like the messaging hub, there's really no, no value accrual and it wasn't really playing out here. Um, you know, I could, I could see optimism kind of being at a similar place at some point, but the big difference is if it is, you know, all these L3s are using optimism mainnet, you know, as a shared communication layer that there, there probably is some, you know, some MEV there that optimism will have, or Adam never will have that. Um, and so, you know, I, th I, think, I think there are parallels, but, um, you know, the role is really to build out the stack, right? Um, serve, find a way to onboard users, um, and then let the application developers, you know, basically take these tools and, and, and continue to innovate on it themselves. Um, so I think that's the, the other piece here that will be interesting is, you know, when these similar to the Cosmos stack, how the app chains are, are now sort of the biggest contributors to the stack. Um, to the Cosmos SDK, when did the L3s start contributing to this as well? Because that's when the network effects really pick up, um, when it's not all on optimism in their team to, you know, drive this forward. Um, your, you know, your biggest users of the stack are also the ones that are continuing to innovate. I think that's, that's really kind of what we've seen in terms of the network effects of the SDK. And if optimism succeeds here, then that's, that, that's what they will, you know, start to happen on that side. Can we maybe dig into that idea more on uh, sort of the network effects that accrue to these these SDKs that get escape velocity? Uh, it's, it's something that we've been talking about uh, quite a bit this season. And one of the one of the things that stuck out to me um, about the launch of base is that they said they've they've considered um, they've considered launching a chain twice before in the past. Um, and one of the the analog that I'm sure that they were looking at was Binance Smart Chain, right? And and that was actually uh, you know originated in the 
the Cosmos ecosystem. So you kind of described like, you know, give us again, I'm, I you're having, I'm having you be our little history lesson here again, but just on kind of the, the experience that Binance has had with its, its smart chain. I think that that was, that stuck out to me too. Cause I, I actually didn't know that they had considered launching their own chain before. Um, and I'm sure that they were looking at Binance and saying, you know, look at all this activity and there. It's like actual, you know, it's, it's, it's not a truly decentralized blockchain, but it's, it's closer to, you know, onboarding users to decentralized applications than just letting them speculate on coins within a centralized exchange. Right. Um, and then, so they had, they have to figure out, okay, if we're going to launch our own blockchain, what's the best way to do it? And it would basically going back to, to BNB, they took, you know, the Cosmos stack, um, with Tendermint and the SDK on top, um, and basically forked it, uh, and then built, you know, a, a, basically a mini EVM chain that is secured by just, I think like 20, 20 or 30 validators. Um, and then they used a fork of IBC to, to bridge mm. in between those two, um, the two chains. And, you know, I think it's, it stuck out to me that they chose to, you know, take this open source software, um, you know, rebranded as their own and then really kind of just forget any sort of alignment to the cosmos community. Mm -hmm. Um, what ended up happening, you know, earlier this year, or maybe it was, it was last year, um, was that, you know, the Binance bridge was hacked and that's because that they were using an old version of IBC that had not been patched yet. Um, and so what, you know, you can kind of see some of the lessons that Coinbase has maybe taken from that and to say, okay, let's definitely reuse existing software. Like, we're, you know, we're going to fork optimism essentially, but we're going to do, we're going to launch this in alignment with optimism and, and its broader community. Um, and that way you're almost, you know, if you are saying we're going to, you know, upgrade our, our base chain, you know, in alignment with, you know, any upgrades to the OP stack, um, you're essentially outsourcing, you know, a lot of that maintenance and development. Um, that, that Binance <laughs> clearly would have benefited from, um, because, you know, you are, you're guaranteed to be using like the latest version of whatever, um, software of that stack that you've, you've picked. Um, and so I think that, you know, they probably had looked at Cosmos chains before, um, they probably thought about, you know, something that we haven't even thought of, um, but picking, okay, you know, Ethereum. So we have alignment with the broader community. That's very strategic. Then picking, um, you know, a stack that's somewhat battle tested, um, but, you know, in, in, in optimism um, and building an alignment with them so that you're not, you know, basically reinventing the wheel, building from scratch, and then, you know, kind of sitting out on your own island, hoping that you know, none of the technology you forked from whatever the original launch was has broken or, or had bugs that you never, you know, identified. Um, so, yeah, I think it's really, really, I, I, I appreciate the strategy and appreciate that we've probably taken some lessons from, from BNB, um, but are building a definitely a better version of it um, that's more aligned with the community. Yeah, it's it's an important it's an important point to highlight, I think, because we've sort of been talking about um, the the network effects that accrue to to an SDK in, in one very specific sense. But there's also this kind of, uh, 
you know, crowdsourcing upgrades, um, since that's very important to, to yeah, I'd say it's well. that it's, it's sharing a communication standard, you know, that that's an incredibly powerful network effect. Um, and we'll see just how that plays out, but yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's it. And the, maybe the other point is that, you know, once more and more developers start using this, right, they'll start contributing to the stack themselves. And so Coinbase is not only outsourcing, you know, maintenance and development of the stack to Optimism, the team, but hopefully at some point it will be, you know, Optimism's team, as well as these, you know, app specific rollups teams that are, that are leveraging the stack and improving it. Yeah. By the way, I think, you know, even just, just thinking about this right now, it is interesting that Binance Smart Chain, you know, for whatever reason, right, kind of inherited the brand of its kind of corporate overlord, right? In the sense that when I kind of think about the this idea of crypto being a 24-7 global casino, Binance is the embodiment of that, right? And so is Binance Smart Chain, right? Like most of the, you know, a lot of the... You know, I'm, I'm not sure, to be honest, it, it's probably one of the corners I know least about crypto, but I know it actually has a lot of users and, and organic usage, and it's really just speculating on kind of meme projects uh, overall. So it'll be interesting to see if that happens similarly with, with Coinbase and Base the Chain inherits the brand of Coinbase. And it's unclear to me what exactly that will be within a Web3 kind of context. Um, I'm not again, sure. Yeah, the, the big difference again, I think, you know, BNB has its own ecosystem of, right. of apps. And most of them are also forks of existing, you know, Ethereum apps like Compound and, and Uniswap V2. I think base, you know, again, similar to the way that they've aligned with Optimism to build this, they're going to be, I think, pulling in the blue chip applications. I don't think you're going to see, you know, a lot of, I think you'll you'll have some Coinbase products um, like CBETH will launch there, and I'm sure they have many more in mind. But I do think you know it's not going to be a bunch of new names uh, in terms of the leading applications on on Base. Um, whereas with BNB, it, you know, it's Pancake Swap, it's not Uniswap, right? Um, so I think I think that will be a big difference as well. Maybe we can you know start to wind down here just by talking about. Um, you know, what is, what is left to build, right? So they've, you know, Optimism has kind of uh, outlined this, this new thesis of the super chain, yeah. but it's still very early days, as you pointed out earlier in this discussion. So it, for those of you who are following along via video, we're kind of looking at um, what is still needed to, uh, you know, to formalize this vision. And, you know, they've got six things. So one is withdrawal claims uh, or withdrawal claims rely on a trusted set of uh, chain attesters. Uh, two, cross-chain transactions are slow because they require waiting a challenge period. Three, cross-chain transactions are async, uh, breaking the ability to perform atomic cross-chain transactions like flash loans. Four, posting yep. transactions to the super chain is not scalable because the transaction data must be submitted to the layer one, which has limited capacity. Five, there are no easy frameworks for building scalable dApps, which utilize many OP chains. And six, there's no easy wallet for managing assets and dApps across many OP chains. So... What kind of sticks out at you, I guess, um, you know, from yeah. this? I think this is, again, what sticks out to me is that these are a lot of the same problems that, that Cosmos has been focusing on um, because it's saying, okay, we have this, you know, net, network of chains now. It's no longer everything living in one place. 
what made what needs to be built in terms of infrastructure to make those products the best versions of themselves. Um, and you know, I think it has a lot to do with first, can you you know enable fast bridging between them? Um, so you know, not full interoperability, but not seven day waiting periods, right? right. Right. Um, and then second is, okay, how do you recreate or something as close to recreating the, you know, composability that, you know, Yearn Finance has with Compound because they live in the same execution environment. Um, and so that's when you start to get into, okay, when can we make, you know, contract calls on another chain, um, which is where IBC has evolved to now from just, you know, transfers to actually controlling accounts on other chains. Um, and I think that, you know, they're, uh, they're going to get there eventually. Um, you know, that's where they're, they're kind of talking about at number three, right? Um, you know, you can't basically, you know, have a, like a flash loan type thing, um, you know, that's leveraging a contract on one chain to use another application on another, um, because they don't, they don't, you know, trust each other basically. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, they're, they're building towards, you know, they're, they're now, okay, we've like embraced this, this, you know, app chain vision. And now they're, I think, solving for a lot of the, the same, the same problems that, you know, we've seen IBC start to address. Yeah. You know, what's funny, actually, this, this reminds me of a little bit is, or, you know, one of the things that, that jumps out is it seems funnily enough, like Cosmos and Ethereum align a lot on kind of their their roadmap but they also sort of align on the design the design trade-offs that they've chosen you know with the big difference being that there will always be more optionality and flexibility in terms of your your apps in cosmos when you have when you control like do a full sovereign a full stack app chain um but in general like the super chain is kind of just another you know shift towards having the same sort of vision if, if you look at something like Solana, I think this creates a little bit of positioning opportunity for them because they are still trying to do this all on one layer. And one of the big advantages there is uh, you can do these sorts of atomic uh, uh, transactions and composability just works a lot better and, and with much less friction. So it's, it's just interesting, you know, um, and, and frankly, like, I think I don't know what kind of use cases are enabled, you know, outside of flash loans, you know, by being able to do things uh, uh, atomically or, or not asynchronously, but it, it is it is curious to just to just see that. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, I think the value of you know synchronous uh, composability versus async composability is still very you know TBD, um, and I think that's because we have not seen the infra that enables like really you know effective async composability. Um, Interchain accounts again, for, you know, via IBC will be the first version of this. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I, I, I do see what you're saying um, in terms of a positioning opportunity for Solana. Um, if they, you know, keep the chain stable, um, then you know you should they should lean into this basically um, and think about you know what what are the what can we you know basically build on Solana that, that because everything's living in the same place is not possible on Ethereum or Cosmos, if this is where Ethereum is going. So let me ask you this, um, I guess just to, to really, you know, 
dig into this idea of Cosmos and Ethereum being on similar roadmaps, it seems to me an idea that we've you know talked about earlier in this episode, but also on the season, that the Ethereum roadmap kind of continues to borrow some of the best ideas that come out of Cosmos, right? Whether it's kind of, I think, lazy ledger, you could probably draw a pretty straight line in between the, the announcement of that white paper in 2019 and this new kind of roadmap, the super chain being the last, like, you know, demonstrable data point uh, of, of ideas that originated in the Cosmos ecosystem. Potentially communication hubs as well, right? Like right. The, the role right. of options in mainnet changing yeah. to be a communication hub, similar to like what we've seen, you know, Adam's kind of role as in, in Cosmos. Yeah, totally agree. Yeah. What does that look like in reverse? Why haven't we seen some of the the ideas or the proofs or whatever it is that is being kind of pioneered in ETHland kind of flow the other way into the the Cosmos ecosystem or into the Cosmos ecosystem? Because you know what I think the the challenge here looks like you know to me um, and now having thought a little bit about it right, for the season is there isn't that you know kind of uh, a subset of users right there isn't that you know unique shared security there are competing models for how uh, security might work. Uh, but I think that the bottom part of the stack, which has not been the focus of of Cosmos for a long time, there's still a lot of work to be done there. And I'm just curious why, you know, the Ethereum solution hasn't flowed back into Cosmos. And I'm curious, like, how you think sh uh, shared security is going to work in, in a Cosmos world? I think I would push back a little bit on that, because I okay. do think that some concepts from Ethereum are now you know, taking hold in, in Cosmos. Um, so the one that I would say is probably like less, you know, has been less impactful has been the EVM coming to Cosmos. And so many, many chains in Cosmos, you know, use an EVM instead of Cosmosm um, and, you know, don't really leverage the app, the capabilities of the Cosmos SDK all that much, you know, at the further applications. Um, the other piece is, I think, you know, a lot of the shared security um, concepts from Ethereum are, are coming to Cosmos. Um, and so, you know, you're starting to see with uh, consumer chains on the hub, um, which I believe is up for a vote right now, whether for that for that hub up, upgrade, um, starting to see, you know, the concept of, hey, maybe as, you know, a early stage app with no users, we should, you know, rent security from, from a highly, you know, a high market cap chain, like the hub, um, find PMF and then decide if we really, really, you know, need our own validator set. Um, I think mesh security is, is, is part of that as well. Um, it, but definitely a more bottoms up view, but in general, I would say that, you know, the reason it hasn't really flowed you know, a ton of ideas have not flown, you know, in, in the reverse um, from Ethereum to Cosmos is really because I think, you know, things are built on Ethereum with, you know, L1 consensus, you know, censorship resistance. Um, that's, that is, everything is being built, you know, um, in a way that is still valuing that the most. Right. That ethos, that design choice sits at the center of a yeah, lot. And, they're, and, they're, and they're, they're almost finding ways, you know, to build in like powerful applications in spite of that design choice. Right. right. Um, whereas with Cosmos, it's saying, you know, we're going to build, you know, it's as the best applications we possibly can. And then the architecture will, you know, be based off of what enables that product mm. to be built. Um, 
and and I think now they're seeing okay, you know, we can build amazing products, but it's not a good situation if you know there's more TVL on your chain than the market cap of your token, right? Um, that leads to very dangerous situations. Um, and so they're saying, okay, if we're going to actually scale this to hundreds and you know thousands of 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 app chains, um, we need to figure out a shared security method. And that's going to be a combination of ICS and mesh security. And Frank, I, I could even see Eigenlayer coming, coming over and, and having like, you know, E3 staking as, as a portion of, um, of Cosmos, you know, security for, for these app chains. Um, so I think, you know, you could see a world with app chains that have, that are secured by a combination of their native staking token, you know, close other, you know, clo closely aligned other chains through mesh security. Maybe they're also renting from the hub. Um, and maybe they're also, you know, secured by some restaked ETH, right? Very non-correlated asset. Um, and yeah, I, I would say that that's the one piece where I do think, you know, it is flowing in that direction where, whereas, you know, Cosmos is looking at, um, starting to see the benefits of shared security. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's just, you know, it's, it's very timely, right? That this, this is sort of rolling out at the same time that you and I are kind of thinking deeply about it this season. I think it will be validated when we see a big Ethereum application or, or maybe just a lot of new applications being built as L3s. Um, I agree. They'll want to make that distinction that, you know, base and optimism mainnet are general per, you know, effectively general purpose chains, right? Um, and they're building the stack to enable uh, a future with, with thousands of, of app specific chains or sector specific chains. Um, but I think that, you know, I don't want to confuse viewers because base is not, you know, an app chain itself. Mm -hmm. so whenever we get Uniswap L3 on optimism, that's yeah. when we, we can say we were right. Yeah. And it's fun. I mean, uh, Daniel Elitzer wrote wrote a piece about this uh, why why Unichain is inevitable, and you know his um, he was sort of viewing that he had a bunch of arguments right for why Uniswap might want to have its own chain, and the kind of discussion was well maybe they'll go over into the the Cosmos ecosystem when really there's sort of a door number three in that scenario, which is to launch their own layer three on on it, uh, you know, on, built on either optimism or some other sort of solution. And that makes a lot of sense because they've already done, they're already so aligned with kind of that, that core Ethereum community that I think leaving that would feel pretty silly. I, I don't yeah, I agree. I, I totally agree. And I think that a lot of apps will, will have that same line of thinking. Um, and then the kind of decision point will basically be something like where DYDX was and they were saying, well, okay, we still can't make this like product without our full stack. Um, right. Or if it's like something like that, right. Where you get, cause you, you are getting mo a lot of the benefits of, of an app chain with an L3, but there's still going to be a category of, you know, or a bunch of types of capabilities that, you know, require a full stack app chain, but yeah, it's a powerful value prop, right. Um, basically get as, close as possible to the benefits of an app chain, but you don't lose alignment with Ethereum. You don't have to pay for security. Uh, and you still have all this, you know, all of these tools from the OP stack that you can, you can leverage. So you're not, you know, basically creating a new blockchain or roll up from scratch. It's fascinating. I mean, it's just, it's just, you know, and I guess the, probably the, uh, the best way to conclude this is just, you know, congratulations to 
both Optimism and Coinbase. You know, pretty brave, brave move of them to do this, especially especially launching at a time when you know regulation is kind of front and center for for them certainly, and uh, it kind of seems like they're under attack from a bunch of different vectors. Like this is just very cool. Also, it's that you know that hundred eight million number is that that is a big number, and. You know, even if you look at, I made this observation in the roundup, but also I'm not trying to pick on them, but MetaMask has like 6 million, you know, daily active users. I mean, it, this is a huge, might be monthly actually, but yeah, that's a huge, huge difference in, in scale here, right? If, if Coinbase is only successful in moving even a small portion of, of users into this, into this layer two, I mean, it's still huge. Then, yeah. Yeah. I, I could not agree more. Um, yeah. They're really leaning into kind of, you know, the evolution of, of their role in the ecosystem, right? From being just, uh, you know, facilitating the speculation of this technology to, you know, being a core part of how people use the technology. Um, and so, the, you know, hats off to them. I totally agree. All right, partner. This was a fun one. Hope you all enjoyed. 